podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show, Edge Rush. Yeah, Edge Rush time. Me and Propo back in the house. We're looking at Chargers Browns. We're going to talk Rams Cowboys. We're going to talk Falcons Bucks as well. As Propo described it, of course, as the Russell Gage revenge tour. Our Drew Locks of the Week. More of that in a minute as well. Propo's going to have an Acker and his prop bets of the week as well. So without further ado, it's week five. Where does the time go, gang? Let's get to it. Propo, here we are recording Friday morning, straight off one of the most exciting NFL games I think I've ever seen. Honestly, nah, I think so. I was working late last night, um, hosting the golf on TalkSport 2, the Shriners Children's Open, which was a, was really invigorating as well. It has to yeah. be said. Um, but so I got home at about 20 past one and I was like, perfect. I can sit down and watch this. And I quickly realized that this was as bad as, everyone had predicted it was going to be. I've never been more frustrated watching an NFL game in my entire life. These are two teams now who we've been saying for years are a quarterback away. They're a quarterback away. <laughs> right. And now they've got a Super Bowl winner. They've got an MVP. Yes, they're in the latter stages of their careers. But these offenses look completely and utterly broken. Whenever they were able to sustain a drive, there would be a penalty. There would be a turnover. There would be a dropped pass. I mean, the Colts rookie left tackle had four penalties against him in the first half. He had three holding calls. It was absolutely abject. I don't think any of the receivers are getting any separation for Mm. Russell Wilson or Matt Ryan. I don't think Matt Ryan and Russell Wilson have an understanding of the offense that they're running. Neither team can establish the run. For two teams that everyone was quite hopeful around going into mm. the season, I actually uh, am embarrassed, to be completely honest with you, for both teams. You know, uh, perfectly put, I am very much a fan of defensive masterclasses in in many sports, actually, but but definitely in the NFL. So it's not that it wasn't uh, highfalutin, freewheeling, 51-45 kind of gig it, the fact it was low score in fact the game is low scoring is fine yeah completely. if there is if it's predicated on this is some brilliant defense on both sides not just completely abject chaotic offense the a couple of things though the Russell Wilson hate look I get he's clearly miles away from where he needs to be Jerry Judy Courtney Sutton they're not helping him they're not helping him out there are drops happening it's not all on Wilson no, it's not all on Wilson, although what was on Wilson was the fourth and one with the game on the line. KJ Hamler, KJ Hamler was wide mm. open. Russell has to go through his progressions at that point, yeah. reach him, and they would have at least had a first down, probably a touchdown, and won the game. I think that has to be on him, but at the same time, there still has to be better communication from the coaches to let him know that that's a possibility mm. that he could be open yeah. and that he should get to him quicker. I don't know why Russell was trying to make that throw. Did you see Richard Sherman afterwards on the broadcast? Obviously, absolutely losing his mind being like it's fourth and one run the goddamn ball obviously having flashbacks to the Super Bowl thinking why why does Russell oh, Wilson continue no. to do this literally look like uh, Sherman's having great. PTSD on the broadcast I <laughs> love that uh, I absolutely love Sherman on that broadcast incidentally uh, two other quick things on that game shout out to Steve Hilliard listener uh, to the show hey Steve uh, tweeted us it could be worse for Drew Locke 
he could still be in Denver, <laughs> which is a great point. Got me thinking, maybe that's what's happened proper. Maybe this isn't Russell Wilson at all. It's just a Russell Wilson, a Russell Wilson bot that Drew Locke has carefully constructed, kidnapped the real. Is, is Russell Wilson in Drew Locke's cellar? Is that, Honestly, is that what's happened? Uh, potentially, I think realistically, Russell Wilson is in Nathaniel Hackett's cellar. That's where he is. I don't know what Nathaniel Hackett is doing. I think... The Broncos organization and John Elway have to take a lot of responsibility for what has happened because ultimately they signed and appointed Nathaniel Hackett because they thought they were going to get Rodgers and they thought that was going to help them get Rodgers and they're going to be able to build this offense around Aaron Rodgers and Nathaniel Hackett's kind of chemistry and the plans that they had together. And then they went out, couldn't get Rodgers. Rodgers re-signs with the Packers. They get Russell Wilson and clearly this partnership, this the communication between the two of them isn't working. So I think Mm -hmm. Elway at the end of the day has to take almost full responsibility for this because you've clearly you've got the pieces there you've got Cortland Sutton you've got Jerry Judy okay they lost Javante Williams their offensive line they're getting decent pass protection but there is clearly a massive massive breakdown in terms of what Russell Wilson wants to do this offense and what Nathaniel Hacker wants to do this offense and as a result what we're seeing on the field is actually it's it's horrendous. A clear breakdown. Uh, that is a term that could be uh, described that level of dysfunction to my Drew Locks of the week. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's go there. Although, next. Nat, I, I'll have to put this out there. I think it's just as impressive because it's just as difficult to go 0 and 4 as it is to go 4 and 0. <laughs> is it really? Yeah. I would like to. Uh, I have very little grounds for defense, but I would like to point out that. The and just to recap, listeners, if you didn't listen to last week's show, or can't frankly can't remember, or or maybe most plausibly, by the time we get to my Drew Lock, you've already turned the show off. You get all these, and then you go. No, so I went with the over in the Arizona Carolina game. Right, it's brutal. Is this is this quite possibly? We've had a couple of bad beats in our time. We have. This has got to be up there into the Hall of Fame, right? <laughs> it's got to be. So to paint the picture a little bit, I was. We were doing the game uh, at, at at Spurs, of course, the London game, live on Talksport. We're back this Sunday, live on Talksport to uh, me, Phoebe Schechter in the house, Christian Scotland Williamson, who's absolutely dynamite, Ollie Wilson on comms, Will Gavin, Propo in the mix, good crew. Make sure you join us. We're on air from two o'clock. Two o'clock. Uh, there you go. So join us there live. So we were coming back from the equivalent last week, Saints Fikes, and uh, it is crazy traffic, of course, for many of you who've been to the Spurs game. Very difficult to get get out of Dodge. We finished our off there, and then I just started walking up Seven Sisters Road. Mm. The game plan is I'll either get, depending on where I'm at, get an Uber from wherever we're out, out of the out of the chaos or just hop on a tube right and in the end in the end that's what i did so i was walking along and i quite like it's quite it's quite chill to walking along that hour after six to seven and i've got red zone on in in my in my ears like listen to everything that's going on right so uh i got back at home the early slate games were you know getting to as as uh the great uh man would say the witching hour and started to turn my attention to the later games now Daddy duty came in. So long winded way of saying by the time that me and you were chatting to each other at 11 30, whatever it was, the mm. tail end of the, of the Cardinals, uh, Cardinals Panthers game, I was a little bit behind. I basically paused red zone, wasn't going on social media. So I was a few minutes behind because I was taking care of daddy stuff. I get a, I get a WhatsApp message from Propo, lots of flame emojis. And I think, my God, they've done it. The Panthers have done it. They've scored. This is it. And so this takes the score to 42 points. And I was on the over of 42.5. Do they kick the extra point? 
No. Do they go for the two-point conversion and fail? Yeah. And then here's the real kicker. Going down the other end, they get into range, the cards, into field goal range, but their kicker is injured. No, do you know what's even worse now? And you might have missed this, is the Cardinals touchdown before. Mm. There's absolutely no reason for them to go for two, but it's because their kicker was injured. They had to, <laughs> they go, had to go for two. And they couldn't, and they obviously didn't get it. So there was literally about six different opportunities for that number Statistically, to Statistically, 99.8% chance that over was coming in at that stage. <laughs> and then, and it doesn't. So there we go. Bad beats uh, a plenty. So Congratulations, I mean, Daniel, on the under though, because I, I reckon there is an operation under, oh. fade Nat Coombs at some point. So, <laughs> yeah, <some of> the, <laughs> so anyone who has that. Vegas to go for. And then, of course, yeah. the, uh, the ultimate irony was that you will remember from last week's show is I came into the show yeah. with the Chiefs as my, as my Drew Lock and faffed around and then flip-flopped and then went the other way. What? I've got that twice out of four, but because my, my Drew Lock week one was the Baker Bowl, of course. How the hell that didn't come in as well? That was more shenanigans. I'm not, I'm staying off Baker. Stay away from Baker. Stay away from Baker. So I'm going to be trying to get up and For my own uh, pride, Propo, can you remind me, uh, so I would for this season, but over the course of last season plus this season, it's not that bad. Yeah, so you were 16 and 6 at the end of last season. So you're currently 16 and 10 overall 16 and since 10. you started doing Drew Lock. So it's pretty good. Okay, all right. We'll take that. You, on the other hand, are absolutely flying. So your Drew Lock came in. My Drew Lock flew in. It was the highest scoring game of the season so far. And I took <laughs> the right. over. The yeah, over took, the Lions game. Yeah. yeah, the over the Lions Seahawks game at 48. That was, uh, I literally, I think it covered within two minutes of the second half. Um, I knew pretty quickly that that was going to come in and I was feeling very comfortable as I was also trying to get away from Tottenham Hotspur Stadium with red zone in my ears. Every, I mean, it was all, all red zone was, was pretty much Seahawks Lions. So I was very much walking back, enjoying myself. Uh, and it was brilliant. And then I had what was, I think the, the highest scoring, scoring game of the season, wasn't it? Highest scoring you game of the season. about it as well. You were messaging me the week. Oh, I believe this. Sim Brown's out. That Brown's was the thing. Yeah, I thought Monroe and Brown being out. I thought that would have a, an impact. The number actually dropped, and then it got back up to forty-eight and a half. But yeah, I had absolutely no reason to worry. Neither teams can seemingly defend at, in any way. Yeah, it's overrated defense. It is, yeah. <laughs> okay, so that came in. That was good. And your prop bets were pretty decent. Two as well. and one. So I'd call and sudden score a touchdown. Thank God I didn't have him this week, but I had him last week and that obviously came in. The only one who did fail me was Michael Pittman over receiving yards, which uh, I'm now never going to back either offensive players of the Colts or Broncos ever again, I don't think. Right, so we're taking it. We should have, that's a great idea. We should have a blacklist. So they're on it. Yeah. Uh, all of them. Uh, Baker's on it. So if I, he taught me off the ledge, if I'm ever <laughs> leaning towards some kind of pick that involves Baker Mayfield in any way, even if he's, even if they do go for Donald and he's the backup, don't just steer me away from the Panthers. and Baker. I honestly have always, uh, they are, they've been on my blacklist for a while, but I yeah, always go have, back yeah. to them. They're the same as them and Washington are the two teams I always think are ready for a bounce back spot. Mm. And then the problem is, is you, you back them because you get value on them because the number's are always bigger. And I think mm -hmm. we've seen that this week as well. And you get tempted and then you watch them and it is so painful. It reminds you. Yeah, yeah it just reminds you <laughs> yeah. like, why yeah. on earth have I backed these two teams? They are so hard and painful to watch. They've got talent. They've got great receivers, but for some reason, their quarterbacks can't get them the ball and I don't know why and it is incredibly painful to watch. So I always put the commanders and the Panthers on my blacklist. They always find a way off it though. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, let's get a bit more discipline with that. All right, so we've got three games we're going to pick uh, plus our Drew Locks. The Acker, uh, that we should mention is the Acker, which I was in charge of last week so I was clearly on a roll so close the Broncos let me down so we did the tease Aki you remember so told the you the Raiders were going to win ah uh, you did but, but remember we teased the Broncos to plus seven and a half so for goodness sake that number 
but they still can deliver on that. We did come big on Jacksonville, of course, who had that uh, tearaway start against the Eagles. So plus 14, that came in. Uh, so two out of three on the Acker, but the Broncos let us down. So it's back to you now, proper. It is. Quick question, yeah. just going back to the Broncos. Mm. Last week we had this discussion. Mm. Do you still think they're a playoff side? Oh, gosh. I still do feel they are in playoff contention. Yeah, I do. Because I think everybody is overreacting to, or rather projecting that they're not going to get the offense right at all. And, and I, I just don't think that is realistic. And this defense is so good. And mm. in that division, with the issues the Chargers have had and Herbert's injury and everything else, and their starts to the season, the Raiders, of course, their starts to the season, Chiefs are going to roll it by the look of it. But yeah, I do. I think they could sneak in with a wild card. Yeah. Yeah, I'd see. I just think that, I think they're the worst team in that division now. They might be playing at that level offensively. They yeah. definitely are the worst offensive team at the moment. Are they going to be over the course of the season? And is this defense strong enough, providing they do see some uplift offensively to to, to negate that challenge? And I, and, I, and, I, and I feel, okay, definitely not comfortable. But I do, I think it's possible. Given all this, you know, wait, we wake up to this. Wilson's the biggest bust and Carroll and co are laughing all the way to the bank. And I think it's a wild overreaction that he's done. He's not washed up. He's not done. Do you know the most accurate quarterback in the league this season is though? <laughs> Who? Geno Smith. Gino, no, I love Gino. You know, Gino was in my thinking this week, I've got to say. Uh, Gino was in my thinking this week. One of the picks I liked is Seattle with the points. But, okay, let's start with Chargers-Browns. Yeah. Let's go there first. Let's keep it in the in the West. So, this Browns offense, certainly in terms of the ground, best, best run game in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Top in both EPA per play and offensive success rates if you take away garbage time. That's the collective offense as well. So this offense, considering the challenges that they've had, obviously, is really punching above its weight. But two goal line trips against the Falcons deliver just three points. So that explains quite a lot in that game as to as to why that played out the way it did. In this one, though, they've got problems defensively and then some. They, much as they are great offensively with the run, they can't stop the run. Atlanta racked up, what, over 200 against them on the ground. Uh-huh. And there's a problem with edge rush this week with Garrett and Clowney could be out, right? I don't know if that, we're recording this Friday, so they're expected to be to, to be out at the time of recording. Unless you've got any newer intel on that. No, I don't. So can the Browns run on the charges? For sure. And that's where they're going to lean on. But conversely, can they hold the charges down on the ground? And uh, the evidence would suggest that this could be a big day for Eckler and Co. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the Browns have faced Baker Mayfield, Joe Flacco, Mitch Trubisky and Marcus Mariota and allowed nearly 24 points per game. Mm. Listen to this. The Browns have allowed 50 points in the fourth quarter alone this season. Wow. They have been... That's hor- Ravens-esque. <laughs> that is, yeah, exactly. That is Ravens-esque. They have been horrendous down the stretch so far. And so have the Chargers. The Chargers have been really, really poor in the second half. They've come out firing. If you look at the Chiefs game, they took the lead and they lost in the second half. You look at the Jags game, they kept it close and then they got absolutely blown out in the second half of that game. They let the Raiders back in in the opener. The Chargers can't seem to close teams out. They seem to get off to a fast start and then whatever a team makes an adjustment at halftime, Brandon Staley clearly isn't doing the same and they 
aren't performing to what the level I think everyone is expecting them to, especially going into this season. Proper, let me ask you a question. Have you got Brandon Staley in that Zach Taylor camp of implausible, not convincing head coaches? Yeah, I do. I, I think I do at this point in time. I'm yet, I think it's because I'm yet to see him. It feels almost similar to Cliff Kingsbury when you watch mm-hmm. the charges. It doesn't feel like you're getting a complete performance from a team. You're not mm-hmm. getting uh, creativity necessarily in the passing game, especially not in the run game. Their run game has been horrendous, which is surprising considering they have a great offensive line and a great running back in Austin Eckler. You feel like you're just watching Herbert making plays, making mm-hmm. outrageous throws. They look mm-hmm. excellent when the play breaks down, when he goes through his progressions. It feels like Justin Herbert is carrying this team. It feels like Kyle Murray carries the Arizona Cardinals. It feels mm-hmm. like Joe Burrow carries the Cincinnati Bengals in spite of their coaches. It's not not like watching Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes go and work together when the play breaks down Mahomes can do something magical but at the same time they build an incredibly sort of eclectic offense there's loads of diversity in it they bring in various different players as well various different personnel we saw that when they played against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers so I do feel like Brandon Staley isn't necessarily getting the best out of Justin Herbert and getting the best out of this team although I think that he has the capability to. Obviously, this is only early into his second year as a head coach. So there is still potential there. But so far from what I've seen this season, he hasn't impressed. Yeah. Uh, and you think about the hype that the Chargers had going to the season. And look, we've got to put it in context of, of Herbert's injury has had some bearing with a full game sample size. So on this, what is the, what's the line or what's the total? So interestingly, the line has moved. It was... Um, the Chargers were laying three points. They were minus three for the majority of the week. And then we saw some money come in on the Cleveland Browns. So that's actually moved to two and a half. So Cleveland are getting two and a half points at home against the Chargers. The over-under is at 47 and a half. I think when these two teams played last year, there was 80 points or like 82 points or something. Mm. So I think we're going to see a lot of money coming in on the over, especially because both teams seem to be quite rough defensively. The Chargers can't really seem to stop the run. They allowed Damian Pierce to have a huge game last week for the Houston Texans. Right. So I think you would expect Nick Chubb, who has been elite so far this season, hasn't had a bad game to have a big one. And as you said, the Cleveland Browns secondary has been poor also. The only issue for the Chargers, I think, is their wide receiving group hasn't performed so far this season. I think what we've seen is if you take away Mike Williams, they actually struggle. We haven't really necessarily seen what we would have liked to out of DeAndre Carter, Joshua Palmer, these kind of characters. They are missing Keenan Allen massively. Mm -hmm. So that means that eventually they are going to Gerald Everett, the tight end, who's not really being used as a tight end at all and he's being used as a wide receiver. So that is my fear for the Chargers going into this. I'm going to be honest, from what I've heard, all of the pros now are on Cleveland going into this one. Yeah, I mean, Bose is out, of course, as well. PFF ranking that Browns offensive line top three at the moment. Uh, and uh, yeah, I feel they're going to establish the ground game. I like, I like, I like the number as well. I I like the Browns in this spot. I, I am, I'm glad I'm actually with the pros on that. You yeah, cynics out there might suggest that as soon as you told me that was where the pros are. <laughs> I've got, hey, I'm all right to hands up. To, I'm often with the Joes and I'm fine with that. But yeah, I like the Browns here. What about you? I'm just picking up based on what you said a moment ago. You kind of sneakily looking at the over here. I am sneakily looking at the over. I'm just gonna. Do you know what I haven't checked though? Hmm. The weather. Weather's oh, fine. Well, yeah. Weather's, Weather's fine. 
Yeah, Sun- Sunday looks like it's going to be 70 up. degrees, 15 mile an hour winds a little bit. But I think I like the over in this one. I think Justin Herbert's going to be able to get a couple of big plays, which obviously hands itself well to the over. And I think Nick Chubb is going to be able to get going on the ground. I expect this game to go over 47 and a half. It's not a huge play for me, but I would also be leaning towards the Browns and as you're, well. You're not worried about the the lack of lack of rush, lack of edge rush if, if Garrett's out? Yeah, so I am... But that's why I would probably back the over sort of more so than the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. because I think that both of these teams are going to be able to get offense going. I like Jacoby Brissett in the sense where he just Mm. doesn't really make many mistakes. He's not Mm. the kind of person who's going to lose you a game like a Carlson Wentz will. He won't win you a game necessarily. But when you've got such a great offensive line and when you've got an excellent run game, it means that you don't need a quarterback who's going to go out and make sensational plays and bring the magic. You just need someone who's not going to turn over the ball and make the check downs, make the five yard gains when they're open and I think he's exactly the person to do that uh, yeah he reminds me of a quarterback close to my heart as well more of him in a bit uh, but let's go next to Rams Cowboys that's uh, our next game ooh okay so lots of hot takes about Dallas right now lots yeah. of hot takes about are they a better team with Cooper Rush <laughs> Come on. I mean, it's driving me mad. We love Cooper Rush on the show. We established it from week one. I'd like to point out how much we uh, felt that Cooper Rush, his familiarity with the offense, with the organization, to your very point about Jacoby Brissett, he's a very capable game manager. He's going to be fine, kiddo, when everyone said, oh, well, that's the... Do you remember? That's the Cowboys season done. That's what everyone was saying. Mm. The Cowboys season. Same people are now saying, oh, I don't know, maybe... Maybe they're, you know, maybe they're better Quarterback off with Quarterback controversy. Maybe they're better off with Although, nah, I mean, this, is the, this is the question. If they yeah. beat, this is a huge if, and this is why it's, it's a, such a ridiculous hypothetical question. Yeah. But just move yourself to a, a world where we witness the Cowboys beat the Rams in SoFi on Sunday. Yeah. And then beat the Eagles on Monday Night Football <laughs> next yeah. week with Cooper yeah. Rush at quarterback. Yeah. Are you telling me that they can put Dak in after that? And they have to put Dak in after that um, for all kinds of reasons. Even if Rush, and let's assume that those two things happen in this uh, fast forward utopian vision for Cowboys fans anyway. Uh, let's say he's had a middle of the pack game, right? So it's not, uh, you know, sub 100 yards one interception, no touchdowns, but equally he hasn't thrown for 450 and four, right? So let's say somewhere in between. There's no way they're putting, there's no way they are benching Dak for Cooper Rush. This is, it's not going to happen. They've invested too much in him. Jerry Jones loves him. There is absolutely the, the, the upside here for Cooper is like Teddy Bridgewater did a few yeah. years back at the Saints, parlayed himself into it. didn't work out for him in Carolina, but had that cameo for Drew Brees with four or five wins. We, I think he went four and oh, didn't he? Or five and oh, and then, Bingo, went back to the bench, but got a gig next season. So I think Cooper Rush's upside is that, not the starting gig in Chicago. In Chicago. Hey, maybe it is in Chicago. You yeah, know, maybe it is. In yeah. Dallas. You have to look at this Dallas side. Actually, you know what? You just got me thinking before I ask you that question. Again, big, big if. He might not even play on Sunday. We, we talk about the London game the Giants-Packers game over on FFS in a bit more detail with the Guru Sandrini. So check that out. But let's just say Let's just say for a minute, and I wrote about uh, in a roundabout way uh, this uh, uh, for the Times this week. So the Giants and Dable three and one. Let's mm-hmm. just say two part question for your propo. In the unlikely possibility that they beat the Packers on Sunday, and that is unlikely, they're obviously heavy dogs. But let's just say they do, and Danny Dimes yeah. is fit either for that game or subsequently afterwards. 
are they a playoff contender? The Giants, they have to be, right? They're four and one in the NFC East. They have to be a playoff contender. They will be a playoff contender just because their schedule is relatively easy. So they have winnable games. Their division is relatively easy, all things considered. So they have winnable games in that. But what they definitely aren't, Matt, is a contender for the Super Bowl or an NFC Championship contender. <laughs> okay, are, definitely not that. They're yeah. definitely not that. But they are a playoff contender largely because the NFC is so weak. Largely because we don't haven't yet really seen any teams kind of pull themselves away apart from the Eagles in the NFC or establish themselves as great teams. So I think there's a chance that the New York Giants can make the playoffs 100% in the same way that we said it for the Broncos. But there is absolutely no way that the New York Giants get to the NFC Championship game or the Super Bowl. I will hands put my hand on my heart and say there is zero chance now. Are they like a 42-7, the wrong side of a 42-7? Yeah, like the Eagles were last year against the Bucks. Yeah, okay, you know, they okay. shouldn't have been in the playoffs. That was, okay. it was I, I, I said it was division. a two-part question. If they get to the playoffs then, let's say they go 10-7, and seven, Yeah, get to the playoffs, and same trajectory for Daniel Jones as I just that line for Cooper Rush that he's good he's solid in that run and you've got Dayball the quarterback whisperer who transformed Josh Allen from this raw I'm not sure it's 40 60 if he's going to make it as a starter let alone a top tier quarterback there's Daniel Jones can he save his Giants career will Dayball say let's spend the picks elsewhere let's invest elsewhere because I think I can turn this guy around albeit he's in what the year four of his contract so they're going to have to spend some dollars but maybe they can agree the right thing with him is there an op- a chance here that we could see a New York Giants next season with Danny Dimes as their quarterback? I think there's definitely a chance because I don't necessarily know who in the free agency market you're going to be able to get who would be better than him. That would fit own- Dayball as well, right? That That's yeah. the key thing. That would fit exactly. what he wants to do, which, which Daniel Jones to an extent does. Yeah, exactly. We've all seen what Dayball was able to do with Josh Allen in the running game. And that's what Daniel Jones is necessarily best at. We saw him score two touchdowns last week before he went out. Yeah. So Brian Dayball clearly loves that aspect of his game. I think yeah. it's just a, an out and out thrower. He clearly isn't good enough to be a high end NFL starter. I think we've seen that. But at the same time, if Dayball can get enough out of him, then I definitely think we could see him starting for the New York Giants next season. I do expect them, though, to probably be investing a pick in a quarterback mm. at some point soon, whether it's this season or next season mm. if they get to the playoffs obviously that changes because they'll be quite far down in the draft order so that may change their approach they might even trade up but I don't think Daniel Jones is going to be the starter for the New York Giants for the next three years but we might see him be the starter next year okay love that let's talk Rams Cowboys then and get back to the business in hand so this is a far from cohesive Rams offensive line going up against well a defense that leads the NFL in quarterback hits, that is second uh-huh. in sacks, that is third in opposition passer rating. Dallas collectively top three in terms of points per game defensively. Why the hell are the Rams heavy favorites? What are they now? Is it six? It's got five and six? a half. It's five, five and, and a half. half. It was four. So it was originally six when the line opened. Then after Monday Night Football, unsurprisingly, that line dropped down to four and a half. A lot of money coming in on the Dallas Cowboys for that exact reason. The Rams' offensive line looks horrendous. I mean, Joseph Notebloom, who is the starting left tackle, has already allowed more QB pressures this season than Andrew Whitworth had in the whole of last his career. season. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah almost all of his career. Yeah. But the whole of last season, which just shows you how many issues they are having. So it's understandable. But at the same time that, you know, this is where... I absolutely love these situations because everyone 
is talking about every article that you see about the Cowboys Rams, every preview, all they're talking about is this complete and utter mismatch between the Rams offensive line and the Cowboys defensive line. Yeah. And yes, there is a world where we see Micah Parsons with four sacks this weekend, Demarcus Lawrence absolutely tearing apart this Rams D and getting to Matthew Stafford more often than not. But the one thing I always think is, do you know the one person who's probably thinking about this more than everyone else who's writing articles and doing punditry and analysis of it? Sean McVay. Sean McVay. Yeah. Sean McVay is going to be scheming and planning and coming up with all of these creative and crazy ideas to try and avoid Stafford mm. getting hit several, several times. And he is going to be preparing for this because he know it is the Cowboys' biggest strength. I think the Trayvon Diggs-Cooper Cup matchup will be very interesting as well. Yeah. But I think Cooper Cup has looked so unbelievable this season that I expect him to get the better mm. of Trayvon Diggs. And this is the exact point where I love a drop-off point for the Cowboys and I love the Rams to bounce back. Five and a half is a little bit less tempting. I loved it at four and a half. That's what I got it at. You got it at four and a half. Look at you, the yeah. early bird proper, the early bird. It's four a, and a half. You I like the Rams think, in this spot. You did I love the Rams in this spot now. Are they your, I, true, lock the, are they your no, true lock of the week? No, that, I, I strongly considered them, but I think that everyone is so high on Cooper Rush going into this week. Everyone is so high on the Cowboys. The narratives, the Cowboys are back. The Cowboys mm. are playoff contenders. Even if Cooper Rush is quarterback, is there going to be a quarterback controversy? We've just discussed it. Yeah. All of this stuff. No one is talking about the Rams. Everyone is saying that they've had a massive drop-off. They've still got... So many of the same personnel in that team. Plus, they've got the addition of Bobby Wagner. We saw a huge hit from him <laughs> on that fad on Monday Night Football. Love it, really The fad is now suing him, apparently. Yeah, I know, which I love. I mean, Bobby Wagner, that. So, yeah. Walter Ducks back for Wagner. It was sensational. Wagner. They ranked second in Rundy, and I think that's key for this game. They yeah. really, really stopped the run Rams. They're very, very good at it. Yeah. That means they're going to force the ball in Cooper Rush's hands to force him to make plays, force CeeDee Lamb to go one-on-one -on -one against Jalen Ramsey. This is a classic matchup where everyone going into it is going to be like the Rams will not be able to hold this Cowboys defense. But at the same time, I don't think this Cowboys team is going to be able to score points on this Rams defense. Mm. So Final I love this because oh, everyone's talking me. about one narrative, whereas I think we're going to see the complete opposite happen on Sunday. So what about the total? Because that's 43, right? So again, I got this at 45 and a half is where I opened at mm. and I hammered the under. Of course, uh, the under's king of Plumpton. The under's king of Plumpton because I think this is going to be a defensive game. I think it'll be similar to that one we saw against the Cardinals for the Rams. I think it'll be like a 2012, 16 kind of game where mm. the Cowboys can't get much going on offense. And the Rams probably won't be able to put up a lot of points, but they'll be able to put up enough. I think they'll be able to get turnovers. And I think that will be enough for them to get the victory. So I loved it at four and a half. I'm still, I'm still going to tip it at five and a half. <laughs> Okay, I love that. I uh, you definitely convinced me, Propo. Incidentally, as we mentioned, the unders king of Plumpton. Just a, a quick aside that I noticed: we have different dashboards for, for the show that we can look at. Right, uh, shout out to Audio Boom, who uh, we host the show with. But uh, normally, obviously, because we're based in the UK, on iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, I should say, we see the uh, logically enough the UK and Ireland comments from listeners based in that territory, right? But of course, there are Apple territories all around the world. And I found out on this one dashboard, you can see different comments from different parts of the world. And on the American Apple, and shout out to anyone listening to us over in the States, I know that uh, there is a, there is a crowd that is listening to us right now stateside. Uh, somebody has bigged you up, Propo, and written Plumpton forever. <laughs> so you got you got fan stateside, you're going global, my friend. Oh, yeah, Love well, Plumpton's going global, it deserves to, because it's a wonderful village.
Uh, <laughs> well, there we go. The so shout out to shout out to our, our US listeners. Uh, appreciate your support. All right. So we like the Rams a lot in that spot. Uh, and the under propo likes to look up as well. All right. Falcons Bucks, the third of the, the three key games we're looking at. Touched on this a little bit on FFS, the Guru Sandrini, and you for that matter. Very big on this Brady goes off narrative. I mean, I love it as well. I mean, this is just to put this in context, some of the the great performances for different reasons over the years from different players, either through illness, through family bereavement. And they've got out Brett Favre, of course, most most notably and emotionally there playing so soon after his father died in prime time and had one of the games of his career. Uh, Different out uh, off the field motivations, uh, seismic events in life, that propel a player, a great player, to put in an exceptional performance, even by their standards. That's what we're seeing, given all the shit that Brady's facing, and particularly this week with news that he could be facing a divorce. We've talked, and everyone who's seen any footage of Brady in the last few weeks, he's clearly having to deal with a lot of stuff. Looks gaunt, looks with the weight of the world on his shoulders, and understandably so. This could be hell on earth for the Falcons. I honestly think that it will be, uh, especially for the Falcons' defense. I think we've seen a regression from their secondary over the past couple of weeks. Yes, they had a relatively strong game against Brissett last week. Terrell managed to shut down Amari Cooper, but that's a lot easier when you realistically only have one weapon in Amari Cooper. Whereas Brady's got his boys back. He's got Goldwyn back. He's got Julio Jones back. He's got Mike Evans. Two touchdowns last week. Huge game. Brady looked absolutely sensational Sunday night football. I think that goes underplayed because of how good Patrick Mahomes looked, but Brady was really accurate. And the one thing that I did see was Brady's reaction in the locker room after the game on Sunday night. He was fuming. And I know for a fact that every single player is going to be working extra hard, studying extra hard going into this week, just because they are terrified of pissing Brady off again. So you know that this is a bounce back spot for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and a bounce back spot for Brady as well. I'll get one of my prop bets out of the way now. It's above evens. It's about one and a half to one. I think if you put a tenner on it, you get 26 quid back. So it's decent odds over to an a half passing touchdowns for Tom Brady. Oh. I think that he is going to go off. I think Lock he's going to look to Evans, look to Godwin, look to Julio Jones. It's also the Julio Jones, Russell Gage revenge game. People aren't yeah. talking about that enough, <laughs> obviously. obviously. But I think that considering what's happening, <laughs> considering all of the news about what's going on in his personal life, it's it just seems unfair. And as much as I understand that it comes with the territory of being a superstar and being a multi, multi-millionaire at the same time, like I think there's a, there's a point where you don't need to be making jokes about people's divorces on Twitter and all of that kind of stuff and raising attention at the end of the day, that's nothing to do with Cheap your job shots. whatsoever. Yeah, of so if you're going to do it, at least make it funny. It's just yeah. lightweight stuff. And you're talking about the goat nonsense. Yeah. I, 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 you know, Falcons fans, uh, I sympathize. Uh, I mean, nine and a half is the line. <laughs> so do you know what's interesting is, is I've, I think what I'm going to go with instead of the uh, team the, total, the team total. Exactly. Yeah. I'm going to go with the team total because safer play. It's a safer play. And I just think that the Falcons, we saw them do it against the Rams. Backdoor they are cover. the exact kind of team that will get a backdoor cover because yeah. of how great this run game is. Yes, they've lost Cordero Patterson to IR. That is a big loss for them, but they were a three-headed monster anyway. So I don't think it's going to have necessarily mm. that big of an impact. And I think that just how good this running game is, I know they're going up against a stout run D. I still think 
that they will be able to get something going and that will cause problems for a backdoor cover. So the Buccaneers are the kind of team that I'd love for a tease and I do Mm -hmm. like their team total as well. Oh, yeah. So it's a great point and I think that's the safer play. But I also like that as you tailed off there with the tease, I like that too. So nine and a half at the moment, that's exactly the kind of drop it down to the four range. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and uh, tag it up, acker it up, uh, pair it up with some other teasers. You could be in business. So okay, love that. We love the uh, we love Falcons Freudian slip. We love the Bucks in that spot, uh, and Brady in particular in the Bucks offense to go off big. Now you mentioned one of your prop bets that has Brady going over on his touchdown throws. What are the other ones? Yeah, so. Over two and a half passing touchdowns for Tom Brady, as I said. I love the narrative there. The other one, I'm going back to the London game. I had success with Justin Jefferson last week. He went over six and a half receptions with ease. And I'm going to go back to a London game this week and go over 46 and a half yards for Alan Lazard. Since his week two return, Lazard has seen an 18% target share while running a route on 93% of Rogers' dropbacks. Over the last three games, he has led the team with six deep targets and is second in red zone targets to only Dubes. Is it Dubes or Dubs? You know, I've had four or five different versions of it. Yeah. Like Dobbs, dubs, doobs. I haven't had many doobs. Um, but, you know, I'm a doobs is my favorite. Doob, I quite like doobs. Do- doobs mean, is like Rogers to doobs. Doobster. just makes me laugh. You know? I like doobs. Uh, yeah. Dobbs. Do- it's a bit like um, Paqueta, Pacatar. Yeah. <laughs> six of them. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to, I'm going to stick with doobs. I like doobs. Go doobs. Yeah. <laughs> hey, doobs. Uh, yeah, a bit of dubs, but I still think that Lazard is going to be the main threat for. Proper, you know Rogers. what you should do after. Um, we should get into you. Didn't mean to get going into you. That's your opening. Yeah, but listen, we just want to clarify something because we think your name sounds much better as dubs. Dubs, yeah. We'll probably go with it. Dubs. I think. I think we know that Aaron Rodgers loves a dub as well. So yeah, just to maybe get Aaron over a bit like you did at this the Super Aaron. Aaron, can I just <laughs> can I just check Aaron? Can, man, man. Yeah, I don't think that's going to work with Aaron Rodgers while he's sort of. I reckon Rodgers will like it if they win. He'll be up for it. Up for it. The crack, I reckon. He's such a classic. He's obviously been talking about going and having a pint in a brewery, hasn't he, on this week <laughs> and how excited he is. He's such that. I mean, he honestly, with the way that he dresses these days and the way that he acts, he really belongs in Dalston, you know? It's like, funny you say that. I was in, in the, I'm going to get my second plug of the of the show in the Times piece. I talk about Rogers, and I was saying, comparing him to Brady, saying he's radio head to Brady's Coldplay. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Walken, uh, to Brady's Robert Redford. Yeah, it's, that is spot on. That is spot on. I think he would love it. I think he even said that he's kind of sad that they're coming over later and mm. that he isn't able to spend more time over here and experience the culture. I think there are parts of England that Rogers would really like because obviously it's more understated than America and it isn't as commercialised. Maybe he'll move here. Maybe he will move here. Maybe he'll be a key member of the NC show going Oh, forward. I reckon we can get Rogers on if he moves here. I reckon he'd be up for it. He'd be up for the crack. Yeah, he would definitely be up for the crack. Obviously, we'd have to sort of cater to his long weekends away. Where would he go for his long weekends away? Like Margate. Margate, yeah, exactly. Hang out with Pete Doherty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he'd yeah. be DJing at some bar in Margate at half one <laughs> yeah. in the morning. Playing, oh, uh, that, is, that is brilliant. But yeah, he's. I think he's... Got a really, I think he really will enjoy London. And I think it is a shame that he hasn't been able to come over here mm. and experience more aspects of it because I think this is exactly his kind of place. But at the same time, I still think it is tough mm. when you're coming over on a short week. And I think in situations like that, when you've had all of your preparation kind of scuppered and everything doesn't feel the same necessarily, you're not necessarily sticking to a routine that you're used to. I think yeah. that's when you go back to your safety blanket. And I think Alan Lazard mm. is Roger's safety blanket in this scenario. So I think 46 and a half yards 
odds is too low. And of course, it wasn't wouldn't be a prop bet without some tight end love. And my tight end love this week is for Logan Thomas. I think he's going to go over 28 and a half receiving yards. Tennessee is dead last in DVOA against tight ends, yielding the highest catch rate and fourth highest receiving yards and yards per reception. Thomas has had a mixed start to the season, but is starting to see more usage as the season goes on. And I think this is a perfect game to break out and go over this low number. I will also be having a flutter on him to score a touchdown, which you should get some decent value on. Like that. Just one more quick one on the back to the Packers uh, Giants game. Yeah. So we were chatting. I said, ah, the over is tempting me on the basis that, hang on, hang on. On the basis that <laughs> no, sound like me me talking to my boys. No, <laughs> uh, on the basis that Danny Jones plays. Yeah, uh, I, I'm just saying I was thinking about it, right? Because it's a particularly low number, and I know I got burnt last week on this, but 41. It's a low number on the basis that I think Saquon will Saquon, and I think I really feel in this spot the Packers are going to go off. So what I might do, because I've been talked off the ledge for the over, particularly by the Guru Sandrini as well on, on FFS, but I quite like, you got me thinking now about the Packers team total. Yeah, I think half. that's a good shout, actually. Yeah, I think that's 27, a, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really good shout. I think that could be definitely a play going into it. Again, Packers, I mean, this is hinting towards the Acker, but Packers is another mm-hmm. one you can tease. Mm-hmm. You can probably tease them down to minus two and a half. I think that's a decent yeah. play. I can't see the Giants winning this game no. realistically. So I think they that tease is... Tease them up with the, with the Bucks could be quite interesting. All right, well, let's go Let's go to the Acker next. You're now in charge. We're not doing great with the Acker, are we? Uh, so the bat on back yeah. to you, Propo. We hand it over whoever is picking the Acker. If they win, they get to pick it the, for the following week uh, as we establish it top of the show my three team T so close but yet so far so back to you Propo where are you looking so it's evens exactly mm-hmm. evens I like the Packers yep to this beat the money New York line, Giants straight up. money line straight up money line Green Bay Packers mm-hmm. Tampa Bay Buccaneers to beat the Falcons straight up as well yeah and the Kansas City Chiefs Ooh, I like to beat the Raiders on Monday Night Football. I love it. I love that. And that's a that's an even money acker. Look even money acker. Do you know what I've just seen that, which I can't actually believe my eyes, is we thought Thursday Night Football was bad last night. Do you know what the, the match is next week? <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Um, think about the worst. Actually, just think about the worst possible matchup you could think of. And I wonder if... Is it's it very close? Is it Washington involved? Yeah. Okay. Is it Washington versus Houston? No. Uh, are, the, who's the offense? Oh, oh, it's not Washington India Indy, is it? No, it's Washington Chicago. Chicago. Of course it is. Oh my god, <laughs> that is just what they thought they'd sorted Thursday night football. Out. Didn't Amazon pay like eighteen mil a game oh, or something? That's how much they paid for it. I saw someone tweet, which made me laugh a lot. That what. Amazon should do is they should just buy Lamar Jackson from the Ravens and be able to just drop him into games like this. As like a, yeah, just to create some entertainment and to do some cool stuff to create some entertainment for what otherwise are definitely abject, abject matchup. So I think that's probably a decent idea. But yeah, I will not be staying up for Washington versus Chicago uh, on Thursday night football in prime time. Unlike. Now, listen, it's come to that moment of the show. It's crunch time, Propo. It's crunch time. I am standing facing the abyss. And as a result, in a situation like this, like we do in much of life, Propo, you know, when I'm feeling, when I'm feeling a bit blue, you're feeling down, you go to your, your comfort things, right? Your mates that make you laugh, the TV shows, I'm a, you know, the West Wing goes on, you know, I will get the playlist out and those, those things that get me 
regulated back. In fact, regulate might uh, might be on my playlist. <laughs> so that's what I'm doing. I'm going back. I'm going back home for my Drew Lock of the Week. And I'm going to Miami for my Drew Lock of the Week. So as you well know, being the sharp that you are, and I'm sure plenty of our listeners know, Teddy Covers is a man you can rely on when you're in a jam. The numbers do not lie. Teddy Bridgewater, 42, 20, and 1 against the spread. 66.6% of his starts, he covers the spread. Going into week 15 of last season, he had the best cover rate of any active NFL quarterback with at least 20 starts. Unbelievable stuff from Teddy Covers. And so, propo, I know two is going to be missed, but McDaniels had the long week to prepare Teddy. He is a consummate pro. He's a good fit for this offense anyway. And that should be a given with a backup, but isn't always. And certainly there are degrees of fit. A lot of people suggested, a lot of smarter minds than mine suggested that Teddy might even be a better fit for this offense that McDaniels is trying to create than, than Tua right at the start of the season. So I think he got backups, as Shane Vereen was telling us on the show, who they're raw, they don't command respect. Oh, you've got backups that have seen better days, the Flacco's, the Dalton's of this world. Teddy's still spries 29, but he's got all these starts behind him. He's going to go into that huddle. He knows the offense. He gets it. McDaniel's going to have fun scheming stuff. And yes, this Jets defense is better year on year, but minus three Miami is my true lock of the week. I actually love that play. That's one of the first ones I think you've picked so far this season that I've actually I've really liked. And I'll be going all in with you on that one because nice. I completely agree. Uh, especially this number got out to three and a half at one point because we saw early money coming in on the Dolphins, but it's moved back to three because I guess pros have come in and just hammered the three and a half because it's mm. such a key number. Mm. At the same time, I completely agree with you. I think people are going to be overrating the Jets because everyone watched that last drive by Zach Wilson to beat the Steelers and everyone will be thinking Zach Wilson's going to be able to take this team onto another level. I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't think the Jets are a very, very good team at all, whereas I think the Dolphins are set up perfectly to cause them issues, cause this offensive line issues. I think this defense is the real deal. And I don't really think it matters who is at quarterback in certain positions when you have two receivers as fast as Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. Right. They're going to cause problems. I think Gasicki will cause this Jets defense problems. They haven't been very good against the tight end so far this mm-hmm. season. So yeah, I'm with you. I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is a big drop off whatsoever. He is always a professional. He almost seems to be better when he comes in as a backup. He almost seems mm. to be better when people are under, under, underestimating him. So I am a big Teddy Bridgewater fan. So I do like that pick. Now. Love it. I, you've given me confidence proper, as you often do. You've built me up. I feel good about it. What's the, is it a kickoff? Is it a... It's a six o'clock kickoff live on TalkSport 2 straight after us, actually. It's live. Of course, it's live on TalkSport 2. So we'll be listening to that as we're walking down Seven Sisters Road. You'll be, I'm sure, (laughs) chiming in as uh, Garrett Wilson goes in for his fourth score of the day. Uh (laughs) Well, I'll be with you on this one. I haven't necessarily backed each of your Drew Locks, but I will be with you on this one. So I'll be feeling the pain. Wait, what? You haven't? I mean, unbelievable. That's I mean, I, do you know what I did was I had a really good early slate. I had a really good early slate last week. I was going to go nowhere near the Panthers Cardinals over because I told you <laughs> I thought it was a ridiculous shout. I thought it was so rogue. I would so, like to point out as we were chatting about this, uh, that generally, I mean, you, you demonstrated this with your Drew Locks, of course, going 4-0 and and are you 4-0 on your Drew Locks? I am 4-0, yeah. You proper. Look at you, Philly, the Philly of the gambling world. The um, overall though, the season, 
it's been pretty good, like despite the ridiculous yeah. bad beats. Like I've looked at the overall bank that I've that I've started with, and you know things. So yeah, turn the corner with the Drew Locks, and we could be could be in business. What about you? Where are you going to go to five and zero? So I am. Uh, I was obviously uh, going with an over last week, which was one of my better plays with the Seahawks Detroit over, but I'm going back to basics. I'm not necessarily going to get tempted to become an overs guy. Now I'm still an unders person through and through. Well, of course this, I found the slate hard to kind of pull apart this week. I won't lie. I think there's a lot of bad games and I think there's a lot of games where very, very much different things can happen based on what happens within the game, what happens early on in the game. So I think it's quite a hard slate to break down all in all, but I think this is the one which I saw is a number that stuck out to me, which is under 44 and a half in Bears Vikings. Oh, yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. there's been enough said about this Bears offense, but let's just remind everyone mm-hmm. <laughs> Cooper Cup has more receptions than Justin Fields has completions. <laughs> Cooper Cup receptions 42, Justin yeah. Fields completions 34. Justin yeah. Fields is completing fewer than nine passes per game. Per game. That is wild. And I'm not putting this all on him by any stretch of the imagination. It's on this offense. It's on this offensive line. It's on the coordinator. It's on everyone. The Chicago Bears offense is actually one of the most broken offenses I've ever seen in the NFL. So I don't expect them to be able to put up points. Mm. But their defense is good. Their defense is the thing that is allowing them to be two and two. It's allowing them to be keeping them in games. The hell of the best two and two. It's crazy, isn't it? It's absolutely crazy. They are only allowing an average 19 points per game. They're ranked 11th in the NFL by all accounts. And I think they can cause the Vikings some problems. I don't think Cousins was necessarily that impressive in London. I think what we saw was they were able to put up points off the back of turnovers Mm. and big plays from their defense. So I expect this to be a tight, cagey divisional game. Mm -hmm. And I think it will go under this number. Love it. Love it. Propo looking good for 5-0. I love the Acker as well. The Prop Bets 2 is all shaping up. Uh, all shaping up, gang. Right. We are out of Dodge, but we are back. Well, there's FFS dropping shortly as well to get you set and get involved with that. Uh, back in the vault, me and Ben look at some of the other games in week five. I, Mike and I are way back when in the midst of time, Monday to be precise. Every Monday I'm Mike in the house for our review show. So all of that good stuff. Keep on rolling through the season. If you are at Spurs on Sunday, come and say hi. Uh, as I mentioned, we're all going to be there. Phoebe, Christian, Propo, the gang, come and say hi if you see us. Uh, tell us what you're thinking in particular about our Drew Locks <laughs> this week and on social if you're not making the game at the NC Show Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and guess what, Propo? TikTok, baby. Are you, are you following us on TikTok yet? Yeah, I don't demo. have TikTok. I can't believe you are the perfect demo for TikTok and you don't have it. Get a TikTok account and follow us on, on TikTok like so many of you are right now. Is so, that a TikTok playing on your phone, yeah, right? That, 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 that was, was so Carlson right that, there. That, that just was, opening that was just a random sound. <laughs> TikTok, <play>. there he is. <laughs> yeah. I would, if it was Carlson, I'd actually sit and watch 20 seconds of the video yeah. <laughs> while we're recording the show. No, Carlson would think it's someone who's called him. He's yeah. talking Hello? to the t- Hello? Yeah, hello. Oh, that doesn't matter. I'll call him back. Yeah, I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> when it rings, like 99.9% of people in the world will be like, oh, God, shit. You know, yeah, yeah. he answers it. I love it. Uh, the great man. He's back on Monday uh, and we are back with more good stuff. So make sure if you haven't already subscribed to us, wherever you listen to the pod. Proper. See you Sunday. See you Sunday.
Social Podcast Network.